Welcome to Real Estate Experts. Join us to democratize the secrets to real estate for everyone, everywhere. Thank you for being here. Let's see what our experts have to say today. Good morning, everyone, and happy Juneteenth. Woohoo! Happy Juneteenth, and it's such a celebration today, too, right? It is. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And welcome to Nisi Walker. Super excited <laughs> to talk to my homie, Nisi, who comes to us with over 15 years of HR experience, trained mediator and equal employment opportunity uh, commission. She is certified in conducting workplace uh, investigations. Nisi is also an Air Force veteran part of the Southern Nevada Veterans Advocacy Council member and a vet to vet workshop facilitator. And I can't wait to get into Nisi's story today, but after facing workplace discrimination, Nisi's mission has become all about disrupting unhealthy patterns in organizations and promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's a passionate people developer who's been featured in the local Las Vegas news on other podcasts, and I'm excited to be talking to you, Nisi. Thanks for joining me yes. this morning. Yes, and I'm really excited to be building this career in real estate. And, you know, as life would have it, found my way right into the DEI, um, you know, kind of arena with with real estate and, and really focusing on Black home ownership and how Homey has that initiative. So I'm really excited for this discussion and to just really, really talk about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, just in all these different layers of our society, right? Because it's everywhere and we need to continue talking about it. We need to continue disrupting the way we're setting in our ways as humans with this and really make it a celebration of, um, you know, diversity every day and just accepting those around us and being culturally intelligent to just work and play with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. I mean, um, there seems to be such a lack of infrastructure to support diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, mm -hmm. not just in the real estate industry, but, you know, we were talking about this in the medical industry and yeah. and, and probably so many of the industries. But you know what, though, DC, could you tell us a little bit more about your path into DEI? Like, how did that happen for you? Yeah, well, I was born into it, you know, <laughs> starting off there being, you know, raised, I mean, um, being black, you know, you just kind of are learned to, or it's just, you, you deal with microaggressions all the time. And, mm -hmm. and it's just understanding and knowing where you fit in. And, you know, and that's for me where I have been celebrated in my career. And so I started off in the Air Force. Uh, at the tender age of 18, and I had a great career, did 12 years, traveled all over the world from Japan to Turkey and all places in between, and um, always found myself, though, in a space of working around fairness and equity and just ensuring that there is a, a clear line between what we need to do right and wrong and how people are impacted from management and leadership decisions. So I was HR, military HR, human resources while I was in the Air Force. Then I got out and started working for a couple of amazing companies, Amazon being one, and I did some federal uh, work and I did a little bit of government contracting work and got some city government work as well. And in that, I just kind of always had been in a space where I was doing investigations, where employees were coming to me with their issues around discrimination in the workplace or hostile work environment, which is a term that is so loosely thrown around. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about it in its seriousness and what hostile work environment is, it's when someone isn't being, uh, when they're discriminated against and there's a hostile environment created for that person, just simply on the basis of a protected class. Um, and so, those types of scenarios and because of the way that I am, I really try to come from a point of understanding and seeing people's perspectives. I get it, right? We are people at the end of the day. And as humans, we have our own biases. It's just really about making people understand how those biases show up in the workspace because that's where you have to play nice. You can do what you want in your own home. We're not saying that you have to be friends with everybody or anything like that, but you do have to work with people and you do have to come into a space of 
fairness and just equality because people deserve that in the workplace. And if you don't want to do that, then don't be in the workplace. It's that simple, right? Um, and so, you know, that was really the real discussion that I would have with people, um, you know, giving it very gently, obviously, but really making people understand. And I get it. I understand that sometimes you don't want to work with certain people. Sometimes you just, you know, you have experiences. We're not trying to take away your traumas or anything like that and your lived experiences that you've had. But again, it is about how you come into work and how do you want to be seen? How do you want to, others to, to know you for? Do you want to be known as a bigot or someone that's you know racist or discriminatory? And so um, I have always been in that space and done reports. And um, as you mentioned earlier, got training with the EEOC as a mediator and had a lot of fun understanding that process and seeing it from the other side, um, doing recruitments and writing uh, you know, different content for interviews and looking at it from a, a, a space of just equalness. And so I've always been in that space. I've always been that person. I'm that friend that talks about that ain't fair. You know, growing up, my mom would probably say, or my parents would say, you know, I was always that one saying something isn't fair. You know, I want to, hey, we need to talk about how this can be fair for everyone. So it's just a passion of mine. It's something that is, uh, it's part of who I am. It's part of my DNA to want to talk about and want to make change um, for everyone and make it just fair across the board. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I love I love uh, the passion that you have for this, Nisi. It's definitely magnetic. Um, and, and if you're tuning in right now live, you know, we're live on YouTube and Facebook. And if you got a question for me or Nisi, please just drop it in the comments and we're happy to engage. But I can't imagine you know, the experiences you've had, like doing HR in the military, right? And then HR at Amazon and then HR yeah. for the local government. And, you know, some of the experiences that you probably had through that. But um, can you tell me more about your pathway to real estate? Yeah. So, you know, what's really funny with that is I had gotten my real estate license as a backup. Um, a friend of mine had gotten hers, a friend that I, you know, kind of look up to and was, you know, and she, it, it just was a smart move. And it was something that I hadn't really considered. Someone had told me I should be in real estate because of my personality. And they're like, oh my God, you'd be like the perfect realtor if you were a realtor. And it was just something that someone had said years ago. And then when, um, of uh, like, she's like a big sister to me. So when she got hers, I was like, oh my God, it's such a smart idea. Like, why not have that as a backup? Yeah because I was, you know, had an HR career. And uh, so, you know, real estate was just something that I wanted to, to, to do. And it was a goal that I said, and I said it, I honestly, it could have been anything that I could have went after. And I would not have known that I would have ended up with homie working on a, a project so passionate right in, you know, the, the middle of what I'm passionate about. And so there's a reason for everything. And I just kind of followed my heart with that. And knew at the time, it, I just knew I had it as a something that I could use to another income stream, um, building that generational wealth, you know. And so, uh, yeah, that's how I made my way into real estate. And then what's your passion? You will always find yourself doing like that is just really what it boils down to. So I could have been somewhere and learning how to be a bartender. And I'm pretty sure that I would have found myself in some committee or on some whatever that was associated um, with yeah. talking about, you know, with diversity. The DEI committee for the bartender. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. But, you know, it's uh, totally proper that we're having this conversation today, you know, for folks that are tuning in and, you know, not aware. You know, I spoke to somebody yesterday and I asked the question, do you know about America's racial homeownership gap? And the person told me, no, don't. They don't know about the history that has led to America's racial homeownership gap, which is really systemic to ra America's racial wealth gap. Right. Macy, could you kind of educate us? Could you share a little <laughs> bit about like, you know, why there's an intersection between promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in real estate and why it's so right. important? Like why, right. why, why like how, what, where we're at, you know, essentially. Well, if I can just say, just looking at the, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if you were continuing talking. My internet is a little sketchy. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about the home ownership gap, 
you know, it's it's huge when you look at white home ownership to black home ownership and the races in between there. And we talk about what does that look like and how did we get here? You know, and there are so many different stops um, sometimes for black people in different in the banking industry and just opening up accounts, just being known, told right. how to deal with checking accounts, you know, or the financial literacy behind uh, credit, being smart in, in credit and things like that. And so just when looking at where we are right now at like 42 percent is the home ownership, black home ownership rate across America. That's very, very low. Um, when in comparison, 69% of, you know, white people are homeowners. And in between that, we have Hispanics and Mexican that have even risen above what black people are. The same things, you know, the same rights that we should have and same uh, across the board, I guess, just why is there a gap in home ownership? You know, why, why is it not fair and equal? And so, just being a realtor right now, and I'll tell you, working in this space and submitting offers and, you know, seeing when working in a program that's called Make Homes Possible or Homes is Possible. And these these people are these clients are going through all of these steps. They're they're doing these certifications. They're going through the financial literacy and the credit counseling and understanding how to, you know, be smart with their credit. And then we get to the offer part and it's like, sorry, you know, someone with a ton of cash just bought you out, you know, and home ownership is not possible for you. And when we talk about this program, it, it really impacts our black population because we're the ones that are lacking in home ownership. And so why we, we need to really be talking about more programs that will highlight how do we get people actually in the homes? How do we, you know, make there, there be some incentives maybe for sellers for certain banks to participate in these programs as well. But unfortunately, because it is uh, the higher population is black people that are serviced by these programs, sometimes it just gets pushed to the wayside or it isn't as important or, you know, it doesn't seem to be such a, a huge initiative, which is again, why I'm excited to for where I am with Homie and in this initiative to put 25,000 black families in home ownership over the next 10 years. To me, that's very impactful. That's a, you know, that's huge. That's closing, that's the solution. So like continuing to talk about how we got here and all of that is important, but it's like, what are the solutions? What are the people that are standing up and saying, I'm willing to raise my hand to help. And I wanna do this to close that gap. And so then now how do we put people in front of this information? How do we, you know, make it available for those that really need to hear it. How do we get out into the communities? How do we rally up our realtors and really be okay talking to our black populations and getting out there and not being afraid, you know, and, 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 and feet to the ground and knocking on doors and showing that it's not just about some metrics at the end of the day you know, that this is serious. We want to make this possible for you. So I know I kind of answered your question, but then I wanted to steer to really, what do we do to make it work right now? How do we, how do we impact and make a change? You know, for, for example, my daughters that are, you know, yeah, you know, I want to do something different for them. Yeah. And uh, I've got a follow-up question for you and to kind of just wrap it together, you know, and uh, for for everyone that's watching, I mean, um, you know, it's really like a, this wasn't by mistake, right? right. The, the racial homeownership uh, rates, the way that they're set up today, I mean, it really wasn't by mistake. It was institutional. I mean, there were laws that prevented certain families, specifically people of color, specifically black families, and in you know, mm -hmm. many cases, immigrant families, from participating in homeownership to buy a home which is why we have this like really massive homeownership uh, gap where you know white families are almost twice as likely to own their home than black families in almost any given metro in our country. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you touched on something which was like, how do we create more pathways to people, for people to homeownership and, and with the coalition make homes possible. I mean, we've you know, not even with the coalition, um, but even with the Urban Institute, which is this national think tank, you know, they put together mm -hmm. this 
five-point framework on how we might close America's racial homeownership gap. And, and you know, talked about like uh, financial literacy, essentially, like, hey, you mm -hmm. know, one of the biggest obstacles is uncertain financials. Another one is the credit score not being in a good place and, and access to those sort of things. Um, could you talk about, I mean, I don't think a lot of people know about the resources that are available to help buy a home, um, you know, because you're right. Yeah, like uh, in a world where the big box investors are owning the market, it's tough as the little guy to compete. But there are thankfully some resources available. Could you kind of share a little bit about what resources are available for folks? Yeah, and you know, there are resources that will put you in a better position to be ready to, um, to, to present offers and to go back and forth in this process of the home buying process. It is, it is a emotional roller coaster. If you know, if there is a couple of words that I can explain to it yeah. for a home buyer, because you know, you you're going through this process and yes, you're absolutely right. There were programs and things in place and still are, you know, and that's where we have to bind together and push through and educate each other. And I do real Tunisi workshops. I do them weekly. I get on at 1030 and just talk about these different programs or just talk about question and answers from a realtor. Like, what is it that you'd like to know? How is it that you can be better serviced when you're ready to buy a home? You're ready to do that. And you're not coming in so green with it, because regardless of how many homes yeah. you bought, every single transaction is different. You know, we know that. So with with the programs that are available, there's if you just go to if I don't if you don't mind me saying just make homes possible dot yeah. org slash resources. Literally, there is so much information there from credit counseling. Even if you don't have an account, a bank account, there is a credit union that is willing to work with you and help you to open up an account and understand smart checking account practices and how to utilize, you know, checks and things like that. And then helping you to repair your credit. The information, there's so much of it that's available. And that's why there's the home buyer course there to help to kind of educate and break down each step of the process. Um, you know, reach out to me. I'm happy to to help for real. I'm really excited and passionate about just really getting people in front of this information so they understand that home ownership is available for you. And I'm really trying to target the younger generation, you know, the ones that are just graduating high school that, you know, not really sure what they want to do. You need to really be thinking about how you can start to build your credit, you know, how you don't make those really foolish mistakes very early on and how you can start implementing and putting real estate as, you know, in your portfolio to your income stream. So, yeah, that, I wanted to definitely say that. Um, and there's a, there's counseling services, um, you know, with home buying counseling services where you'll get a counselor assigned to you that will walk you through the process, go through wealth management, go through credit and financial literacy, really talking about those things. You know, really um, what I like to do too is give people little nuggets of information to bring up at dinner, bring up things, you know, with your children, encourage them to talk about personal finances and, you know, when you give them money, how they need to be saving some and paying themselves and what does it mean, you know, to just not be wasteful. So, um, so yeah, that in a nutshell. Yeah, no, absolutely. So makehomespossible.org forward slash resources. You can sign up for counseling there. Also, Nisi here is a G and open to help and, and you know, totally no pressure. I mean, you know, part of the homey experience is it's not always about that commission check at the end of the day, Not at all. making sure that, you know, every client has the best experience possible and has the help. And, and, you know, homeownership is the largest purchase that <laughs> yeah. any American family makes. Right. Um, yeah. And so, and so it is a huge deal and, and, and you should seek out help, you know, when, when navigating that you touched on something else too, Nisi, I mean, which was mm -hmm. uh, the generational piece. Right. And, and kind of like bringing this to the forefront for, you know, our kids to think about. Um, I mean, can we kind of double click there a little bit? I mean, um, yeah. you know, you went into the military, I you think, at a pretty young age. And um, like was homeownership in your recipe back then? I mean, were you thinking about it or when did you start thinking about homeownership? No, for me, yeah, I joined at 18 
And I just saw travel. I just saw wheels on an airplane in my future and wanting to take every opportunity that I could to travel and meet people and understand myself. Oddly as that sounds, um, I was just this weird psychology person and just from a very young age, always wanting to understand people. I used to watch, um, you know, like those investigation ID shows and stuff like that. Like I was, I was very interested in human psychology and the brain and why people do the things that they do. So just an interest in people. And so that's what I saw the Air Force as was an outlet for me to be able to travel. I didn't see um, college in my future right away. Um, and, and, you know, it just was, it was interesting to kind of go that route and leave so early and home ownership was not something that I was thinking about. Um, future investing, all of that was foreign to me. We not, I didn't even know how to write a check when I went into the Air Force. I didn't really understand the difference wow. between a debit card. I tried to use my you know, savings card at the ATM once. <laughs> you know, I still remember that to this day. It was so funny. And they're like, no, you got to have your checking account card. And I'm like, oh, like, what's, you know, it just wasn't like in the Air, like when I joined the Air Force in like basic training, um, I didn't have an account or anything like that. I think like, um, not I think, from a very young age, I do remember my parents trying to instill some level of financial literacy in us because we had like um, an account at a credit union you know, or whatever, but it really wasn't explained the importance of it and why you needed to save. And because it was very accessible to us, like, oh, you just can go, you know, when mama go to the bank, you can get $20 or whatever, you know, it was just kind of like very easy. And, um, you know, but it's okay. They, you, you, you do, they at least did that, you know, so trying, but it was, I just didn't know really the difference in a lot of things. And so, um, unfortunately, someone had told me when I had joined the Air Force very young, we had this thing called the Thrift Savings Plan, a TSP. And they're like, you know, just put money in it, just save it. It's for future investing. Don't worry about it right now. Just leave your money in there or whatever. And I did listen, but I didn't listen all the way because I didn't save as much. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and so it would have been helpful to have that big amount as a down payment um, when I was ready for home ownership, which was at the time that I had gotten to the point of a family, you know, the two kids and all that stuff. Um, whatever that didn't last. So it is what it is, you know, so now it's home ownership, a different um, perspective, which is even more fun, you know, where it's my own thing. And, you know, it's really yeah. what I wanted in and how I want it to be. And now just the experience is just, it's so different now that, you know, it, it's just, and that's where it's like, you just do it when you're younger, if you can understand and you have the means and, and it can really help you understand home ownership. And then, once you get that first one out the way, now it's like more investing, you know, and you're getting more and more to build your your real estate portfolio to really invest into acquire property because land is not we're not getting any more of it, you know. And so yeah. what you get, you get your little piece of pie and you try to get more of it and you keep it in the family and, you know, keep the taxes paid. Don't don't let the you know, don't let them be able to sell it at a you know an auction sale or something like that, because. Three down, three generations down the line, someone didn't understand the value of, you know, keeping these taxes paid or keeping something up on it. So, you know, just like just really talking about it and really making sure that because that's what I'm going to say. That's what white families do. They have those discussions at the dinner table. You talk about, you know, um, and I've been at enough white dinner tables. You know, I've been invited to enough anyway to I've had some great, great, great white friends that, you know, they've been invited me in their personal circles. And I hear the conversation. They're just different. They're just very different that they have with their children. So. Well, you know, you know, it's it's rooted with with the whole thing that I mean, going back to that step, you know, that, you know, in many metros around America, white families are twice as likely to own their home than than black families, you know, and, you know, to a certain yeah. extent, like one and a half times more than, you know, immigrant and Mexican families. But Mm -hmm. So so it's that generational thing, right? I mean, if you yeah. own your home, then you're probably talking about it more and you're educating folk, you're educating your family to keep it, I hope. But I guess I it goes to the counseling, right? I mean, that's why the counseling right. resources are there. That's why we're there. That's why we're even doing this and we're talking about it because we want to remind people like, hey, buying a home is so important. It's uh, one of the surest investments you can make. Apparently in Las Vegas, had you bought a home 10 years ago, you could have bought it for 80,000, maybe a hundred. And, you, and yep. today it could be worth as much as 400 grand. It's ridiculous. Yep. It's in a good way. But 
then and then there's the piece of keeping the home right and and making sure it goes down family you know by family by family uh like you know by generation in in your family mm-hmm. uh, i want to take a quick pivot nisi could we talk a little bit about um are there any like uh, veteran benefits available for folks you know that might want to buy a home i mean what sort of benefits are available to veterans yeah for sure i mean you have your your va home loan you know the veterans administration that that backs it so they don't provide the loan but they back it where you don't have to pay anything down and if you are rated a certain percentage um, of disability you don't have to pay this funding fee that's associated with all va loans it's it's very small um, in comparison to what you would have to pay if you had to come with a down payment but it's basically a no down payment loan where you can come in and home ownership is possible for you if you're a veteran. And, you know, because I am a veteran, any veteran clients that I work with, I really like to take it a step further and ensure they are getting their benefits, that they have the right resources, um, you know, in, in place that they know where they can go if they need to file for their their benefits to even get their certification of eligibility, which is what's needed to show that you're eligible for a VA home loan. Um, you get that, you know, right out of e-benefits. And there are, there are different resources available for veterans, just like there are for culinary folks that, you know, work in the culinary industry in the union, for teachers. Um, you know, yeah. there's resources available for, I mean, it really is making home ownership possible for, for everyone who wants it. And you just have to want it. And you, these resources are available for you, but no one is going to do it for you. You have to you know, seek out the information. You're going to be provided counselors and accountability partners to help you along the way. But ultimately, things are on you and you you have to be wanting to, to want the help that you're seeking um, because it is a lot of people out there that need this help. And so people are just really trying to focus on those that are serious about coming forward and, and wanting the help. So. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's so challenging because, um, you know, it's almost like teaching, right? I mean, teaching yeah. is totally free. <laughs> and uh, like we're, we're here with the resources, with the agents, with the loan officers, with with the state programs, with the nonprofits, with the banks, like with right. any resource available. But we can't do it for you. You know, we yeah. can't go buy your house. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to it's going to take you to do it. And um, it's tough. It feels tough for folks who've probably never done it before, right? Mm-hmm. It feels mysterious. Um, but you know, let's keep the conversation moving. Let's keep it, you know, keep it bumping in an exciting way. And I want to pivot a little bit, and, and I want to talk okay. more about uh, Juneteenth. Um, could you kind of give, you know, educate us a little bit, DC? I mean, like on the. Uh, you just, you know, for folks that don't know, I mean, like, what is Juneteenth? Why is it so important? Right. Why is it so cool that, uh, you know, President Biden made it a federal holiday? Uh, Absolutely. I think it's time ever. I'm sorry. What? Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying, if you could uh, tell us more about Juneteenth, um, you know, can you, you know, since, since it is Juneteenth, you know, what is it? You know, why is it so important to us? And I see we have uh, some a little bit of a Wi-Fi pause, but that's okay. It's part of it's part of the magic that we have today. So if you're tuning in on Facebook or YouTube, drop a comment. I'm able to pull it up here, and we can answer your questions. So thank you so much for watching on a Saturday morning while we wait for Nisi to uh, reconnect with us. And if you're well, just jumping in, uh, Nisi Walker, you know, comes to us with uh, over. Uh, a decade of experience in, in the HR industry, uh, an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's a realtor over at Homey uh, and working with us to help close the black homeownership gap. I can't wait till she's back on though. Nisi, feels like we got disconnected. Yeah, can you hear me okay? Oh I'm yeah, trying exactly. to get my video back on. It's not uh, my connection is just a little bit funky right now. Hold on, just a second. So sorry, everybody. Okay. No worries. I guess I uh. Okay, let my let's. Hey, you're back. Welcome back. I'm back. Sorry. 
sorry about that. My internet is just Cox. Cox, if you're paying attention, can you please? <laughs> like, come on, this Giga Blast is like, you know, be giving me right. Giga headed. So anyway, um, yeah. So you know, it's really exciting for today, and and I think we were talking about Juneteenth and just a celebration that it's a federal holiday today, way long overdue. And you know, Juneteenth, it, it's it's almost like it, it just really goes back to this whole entire discussion, like why why aren't people important enough? You know, why don't why aren't they seen as equal enough to be able to be told that you're free, that you're no longer a slave? Um, and so, you know, two years after you know slaves were freed after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, um, that's when in Texas they let you know in Galveston, it's the city in Texas, they let them know that hey. You know, you're you're also free too. You know, so they let them go for a while, still being slaves and owning them as slaves, and it's very very sad. But you know, now we're celebrating where we are now, and that you know, President Biden again is standing forward and standing up and saying this should be recognized. This is something that we should say. You know, we should bring a celebration to. And what's really funny, what brings this just all back full circle of how life works, is. When I was at my last employer, and the reason, you know, when I was talking about after just feeling and, and dealing with that discrimination in the workplace and, and deciding to take a step in my own path, um, one of the, the things that had been brought up was a Juneteenth protest that was occurring. Um, and it was made fun of, it was mocked, it was stay away from, you know, this location, wow. don't go there, it's a Juneteenth thing. Um, as opposed to educating and and saying why Juneteenth exists and why it's important for us to talk about equality and where that could have been just such a learning opportunity in the organization to be able to say, you know, and if you are feeling, you know, we still want to make sure that those microaggressions, that those types of things are not happening anymore in our workplace today. So if you're ever feeling that way, you know, here is the policy, here's what you can do if you're, but instead it was, it's a Juneteenth thing. That means it's black. It's a protest. That means it's a riot. Stay away. You know, and that's how it kind of was translated. And it's so unfortunate. And those are the types of discussions and the disruptions, you know, because, of course, I raised my hand and I said something, you know, in that in that space. But it's like the owner, the owner, the ownage cannot con always be on the 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 marginalized employee to be right. the brunt of diversity, equity, and inclusion. It needs to be everybody, and it definitely needs to be leadership. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can believe, I can believe that, uh, like, those discussions only happened, you know, less than two years ago, that folks, you know, and probably even now. And, um, you yeah. know, you're so, like, courageous, Nisi. I mean, you literally said, no, this is not, I'm not going to stand by this. You called it out. And, and then when they weren't willing to look at it, you left, mm -hmm. which you know, I think takes a great deal of courage. I mean, um, and, I, and I, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm going to throw this back to you as a question. I mean, you know, what, you know, if somebody is going through that right now, if they're working at an organization that is not appreciative of black culture, that is almost uh, like uh, like targeting black culture, mm -hmm. you know, and, and probably because Juneteenth's a federal holiday, lots of folks are having these discussions right now. And um, I mean, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, words of advice, of inspiration, motivation can you share with folks that might be dealing with the brunt of that? but might not, yeah. might not be able to walk away, you know, or maybe they need a moment to calibrate. Now they're in a moment of like, okay, what am I going to do? I mean, what, what might you share? I want to give two answers on that um, because I definitely want to give it from the employer perspective and say, here is some advice, motivation, some things that you can be doing right now with your staff, um, targeting black employees, having discussions around this topic, but definitely all employees employees because black professionals aren't the only marginalized group you know um, it's it's a very big one and black women especially are the most uh, underrepresented group 
where people are are standing up and saying we want to make change for our black you know black professional women but then I also want to have a discussion for the employee and say if you're going through this you know and, and what you can do so because that's what I am I'm HR you know and I really try to always stay in the middle and I know people used to hate that about me but you know what that's what kept things fair and I don't care about popularity. I really care about telling you what's right and fair in that moment. So sometimes it looks like I'm taking the employee side. Sometimes it looks like I'm taking the employer side. But at the end of the day, I'm doing what's right. And I'm making sure that we're all staying out of court. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, for the employer side, this is a great opportunity to really have a discussion with your black professional employees to really have those tough discussions. How are you feeling? What things are you facing every day in the workplace? Even the personal things that we don't know about, but that bleed into the workplace. So for an example, black women in our hair, you know, how, how do you uh, managers that are non-black that have no idea what it's like to try to comb out, you know, black hair and to try to make it professional to make it look presentable, presentable, and I'm putting professional and presentable in quotes underneath, you don't see my hands. But exactly. you know, the way our hair grows out of our head naturally should be celebrated. It's a crown of beauty and we should be able to show up to work just as we are. Of course, presentable and professional, meaning it's kept up and you have dress and grooming policies, whatever. Um, but I think that, you know, there needs to be discussions around those types of things or, you know, our, our, our black professional men who may have dreadlocks. And just because you have dreadlocks, that does not mean that you're a thug, right? Like you can be have dreads and still be a CEO or be some professional, but maybe they can put together a work group just for black men who have dreadlocks or just for dreadheads in general, because I've seen white men with dreadlocks or white women or, you know, all types of people with dreads. So how do you, you know, keep it up? How do you uh, make it presentable. What styles are you wearing? You know, how do you keep it? Because that's a personal issue, but it definitely comes into work. So from an employer perspective, I think that right now is a grand opportunity. It's a Saturday. So you got a couple of days to figure it out. And Monday, you pull in different groups of your employees and you have these tough discussions. Let's talk about it. How are you feeling? Let's celebrate Juneteenth. You know, why should we celebrate it? Tell us something that's impactful about your family history that you think we could, you know, that would be nice for us to know. Um, um, they're just, yeah. there's so much that an employer can do to really understand their employees and to not always make it about a race thing. Obviously, Juneteenth, we want to highlight and make it about race and route Black professionals specifically, but employers need to get very comfortable having uncomfortable conversations with all of their employees across the board. It'd just be so much easier for them to come to you with issues and, and you know, things that they're experiencing when they know that there's an open, true, genuine, open door of communication for you. Then on the employee side, I'll say if you're dealing with microaggressions and you have things that you know are not right in your workplace, document. That is the very first thing you want to do is document. Document who said something, what did they say, why did they say it, like what was the circumstances around it, who was around, what were the witnesses. And one I just recently heard that was a great, great point on Clubhouse, someone said, was wearing. What were you wearing? Because sometimes people wow. really don't remember, but if you kind of, oh yeah, I did have that. That was that day I wore that whatever dress because I spilled coffee on it or whatever. Anything that'll help you remember you know, and bring back those details because sometimes things obviously, uh, unless they're very, very egregious, you don't really get terminated after the very first time something happens. And sometimes things aren't really big enough. And I'll say big enough because they, they need to be substantial enough to show that the person knew the rule and they broke it. You know, sometimes that's hard to prove when you just have those feelings and, and every black professional knows what that is, you know. And so, um, you want to keep track of those things and then you want to start seeing the patterns and that's when you want to start involving your supervisor or HR or, um, you know, someone higher in the company or ultimately going to the state or going to the equal right, the, the uh, equal opportunity commission and really saying this stuff is happening to me. Here's all of these things. And I've brought it up and no one has paid attention, no one has done anything, and now I'm afraid of retaliation and my job being taken from me. And that was what my personal case was. And so, but I had enough documentation. I had it all to show like, 
And I, I showed what I was trying to do in that process as well. I wasn't just sitting back. You know, I was really trying to make little changes where I could, but it's only so much you can do as an employee. And so it's really important to document and be okay not being okay. Be okay, take care of your mental health. Um, when you're feeling or when you're experiencing discrimination in the workplace, it is something that we don't talk about enough, but it is very, very impactful on your mental health. And it's hard to continue showing up in a space where you're not welcomed, where you're not wanted, where you don't feel included, but you have to show up with a smile and you have to still help all the people that come to you because it's not their fault. And you still want right. to give them the best level of service. And so, you know, you it, it's a mental strain and it's very, very hard to, to, to do that. And sometimes you feel like you're on an island by yourself. And so going back to the employer discussion, you know, really having those discussions around mental health and discrimination or harassment or sexual harassment and things like that in the workplace and how your employees are dealing with those things and providing the resources for them. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, it's really a two, again, it's something that like everybody's got to be involved in, right? We mm -hmm. all have to kind of educate ourselves and and become more aware of like, um, you know, the impact that we're having in the workspace and, and how other people are impacting us and each yeah. other, right? I think, you know, one key thing about being a leader in an organization is understanding how people are affecting other people and it's and it's not okay to let you know microaggressions or macroaggressions you know be perpetuated in the workspace even if this is your best salesperson in the company better off cleaving them if uh if if you know if they're going to you know be a detriment to the culture and and real estate's so interesting as an industry as we know you know the other day i was uh, on instagram and I saw this brokerage talk about how diverse they were and they had this mm. video and it was their diversity video. And I swear, Nisi, every person in their diversity video was white speaking English. They said that they spoke multiple languages, but nobody yeah. did it. You know, there's no person of color that I saw. I'm not right. going to call them out say who it is, but I have a question for you. And that is, um, you know, what are some tactics for the real estate professionals, you know, a brokerage to diversify? And and the reason why I say it and why it's so important to me, I'm going to take my camera off for a second. The reason why it's so important to me is um, the real estate industry right now is, um, you know, diversity is underrepresented across the entire industry, right? That's just mm -hmm. the reality of it. And so, you know, it's up to the brokerages to diversify the agents and the loan officers so that we really at the end of the day have more black loan officers and more black agents and, you know, more Spanish and Arab speakers and folks that can like work with these communities in order to close the, the racial gaps. And so, you know, Nisi, you are a DEI consultant. You have your own company that's coming up. It's really exciting. I mean, you've got some freebie tips that you could share. You know, if there's a broker watching or uh, somebody who runs a real estate company, uh -huh. in terms of how they could play their role. So they're not like this other company that just said they're so diverse. It was like, you know, 10 white people back to back to back. You know, that's not so diverse. Uh, how could how could they raise their diversity? And it looks like we froze for a second, so that's okay. We'll give it a couple seconds or minute till Nisi's back. Um, you know, again, if you're watching, please let us know, say what's up, drop it in the comments, say hello. If you have any questions today, you know, Nisi and I have been exploring uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. We've been talking about um, real estate and you know how that ties. You know, happy Saturday. I hope um, get an opportunity to learn more about the holiday and 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 you know why it's so important that uh, it's become a federal holiday here in America. And, um, you know, the work that has to be done still in the real estate industry to to make it more inclusive. Hey, Nisi, are you back? You're muted, you're muted. Okay, can you hear me? Perfect. Yep, yep, I can hear you now. But now you can't see me, right? No. 
but but I, all right, we'll try to get it back on sync here in a minute. But um, I think I heard your question around like how can uh, brokerages and just across real estate, how can they be more diverse? Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think that there's a couple of things, and it's really looking at your 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 population of clients that you serve. You know, and when you look at the metrics of the people that you have served, who have been the deals, who have been the clients that you have uh, closed deals on, and how are you hearing yourself to close more deals of clients like those, and really getting yourself out in the different populations of the city that you're in. And so if you're seeing in your metrics that you really are only targeting or you've only served a certain demographic, then you need to expand your uh, your, your company's horizons and really getting some agents, getting some um, some different loan officers, you know, appraisers, whatever it is in those industries to help to call out and to get those different demographics of clients that you're missing out on. Because you can't control work. Control what who what client is going to come to you next. And no. if you're not in the mood to work with everyone, then you really shouldn't be in a customer facing or a customer service type, you know, yeah. field that people are relying on you for information and for resources. Yeah, let me. Are you uh, still there? Me, yeah, I'm here. I'm gonna just uh, speak back a little bit of what you just said. There was uh, some Wi-Fi. Hopefully, I'm I'm still on. Um, I hear you. Can you hear me? Also with that, there's an at-home with diversity certification that the National Association of Realtors. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a diversity certificate from the National Association of Realtors. Yes. Hear me okay? I feel so silly. Yeah. I'm so sorry. My connection. Hey, no, it's all good. It happens. Really wonky this morning. So is this um, like a one last thing? Uh-oh. Hey, Nisi. Yeah. It's it's blotchy for me, though. Well, here's... Let's do this. Um, we, you know, we are, like, best friends now. Uh-oh. I lost Nisi. Well, let me just go ahead and just say... Uh-oh, uh she's coming back. Um, yeah, this was such a dope conversation, and we're going to have many more like it. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you see me? Yep. Oh, you I'm jumped on my on phone board. now, so maybe yes. that's better. Is yes. that better? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the question, last question I asked was, uh, you know, how can companies promote diversity? You know, how can real estate companies promote diversity? And if I heard you correctly, mm -hmm. it did come out a little choppy, but you essentially said two things. One, you if, you, if you're in the customer facing role and you're here to serve the public, you need to become culturally competent. Okay. Right. You can't have no excuses of not understanding certain people or making assumptions or making people feel comfortable. You have to be culturally competent. Right. Two, if you suck at being culturally competent as a leader, you need to go bring in a diverse team. Okay. If you want to serve the black community, bring black realtors and loan officers. If you want to serve the Spanish community, bring Spanish speakers into the fold. Right. Did I hear you correctly? Right. Um, right. And, and, and then you're. Yeah, and then you're talking about these resources from NAR. That was the last thing that you you mentioned. I just dropped it in the comments here too. Absolutely, yeah. It's the at home with diversity. So I'm getting certified by the end of this month in this, but it's an at home and di with diversity certification from National Association of Realtors, and it helps to 
help you be more culturally competent across the board and understanding what that means in real estate. So fair housing, looking at cultural competence, you know, the, how to work with different types of clients. And so I, it's for realtors and I would recommend that brokers look, brokerages look at that. And, you know, it's like 99 bucks a person, but like, how do you maybe get a whole class of people certified or get a trainer to come in and train your staff on some of these concepts? Because at the end of the day, as I said earlier, we have our own biases and it's okay that we have those biases. They're personal, they're who we are, they're from our empathy and our shaped and learned experiences, whatever. No one is taking that away from you. We all have it. But the thing is when you are in a, a, a customer facing role or if you're at work, if you're in a, a area where you have to work with other people, the onage is on you to understand how to work with other people. It's not on other people to change who they are so you can feel more comfortable about who you are. Um, so, and, and that's just understanding and really gaining cultural intelligence and having emotional intelligence because leaders need to have both and it needs to be a good balance because emotionally you have to understand that you're not going to always be right in situations and you can't lead by emotion and make people feel like how you're going to feel today. That's how a decision is going to be made, right? That's not fair to people. Get out of leadership if you're not going to be fair. If you are going to be, you know, like um, very personal and bullying and doing things based on how you feel, it is not fair to those employees because you are impacting people's personal lives. So just don't be a leader. Go do something else. It's all good. Like, it's all good. We've, we appreciate you, but go, go do something else. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the thing is... Uh... You know, you know how it is, whether it's politics or being yeah. the real estate broker or being the CEO, there's a certain type of personality that's attracted to these roles of leadership. Right. Yeah, and, for sure. But, but it definitely, I think, takes humility, which happens to be, you know, one of homies core values to mm -hmm. say that, like, we can always be better. You know, we're never at the top of the mountain where we can't we can't be better. Right. And so, uh, you know. Going back, uh, here's a question for you, Nisi. If you found yourself in a company and you probably have in different environments, right? Like at what point, yeah, at what point would you suggest to somebody to just leave? Like, okay, there's no hope. You know, you're not going to trust that the leadership gets it. They don't have the humility to to wanna work on themselves to create a more open, accepting environment. At what point do you come to that versus trying to change the leadership? Um, I mean, you know, you've probably dealt with that. Could you, you want to talk a little bit more about that before you sign off? Of course. I think that first people need to be okay managing up and leading up when you're in, um, when you're at work and things like that, your managers and leaders are only going to manage and lead you as much as you expect them to. And you put those expectations on them. So, you know, you have to be okay letting them know how their actions impact your career. And of course there are ways to do that. There are you know, different tactful ways that you can do that. But you have to, that is just an, an uncomfortable conversation that we just need to get more comfortable having, you know, is really setting expectations and things like that. But I can only tell you from my experience, because everyone is going to have their own reasons why they, they what's their breaking point. For me, mine was the continued lack of um, respect for my professional opinion even though I would say the same exact thing that my white peer would say, and they would say it worse than I did. You know, I gave it with a little bit more eloquence, um, but it's like, it was things like that or no longer being invited to lunch or no longer being invited in certain meetings that I should have been invited in because my, my again, professional opinion is impactful to the organization and the role that I was in in leadership. And um, just feeling as though every move you make is going to be met with some opposition or there's a target on your back where they're looking at, they were looking at my personal things that I was doing outside of work. And, you know, you know, oh, you know, you got this going on and you're doing this and little things would come up at work and things like that. And so, you know, it's just people have to, I'd say where your personal values and who you are as a person when it no longer aligns with who you're expected to be at work and when you feel like the facade is just way too too strong because we all have to have some level of something when we show up at work right like we we have to be professional and yeah. 
face, you know, you just can't be. I'm, I like to get down, okay? I like to party. I'm a fun person. I like to stay. I like to bring the fun to all I do. I don't look for fun things to do. I bring the fun to what I do. So it's like, if you know me outside of work, you might catch me on a day and I might be having a lot of fun. But I understand that when I'm coming into work, that there is a level of professionalism I need to bring to the table so that way I can be taken seriously and that you understand that things that I'm about to tell you can be detrimental to your career, to your bottom line as an organization. And so, um, so yeah, I hope I answered the question as well as I can. You know, I'm a storyteller too. That's one of my strengths. And, uh, you know, that's another, that's one more key point I want to say is know who you are. You know, a lot of the times we go to work or we, we go into relationships, whether it be work or partnerships or whatever it is, and we seek for those things and people to complete us and tell us who we should be and what we should be doing. And we really should know who we are. So like get into those strengths tests personality tests, those types of things helped me out tremendously to really articulate who I was and why I do the things that I do. So that way I can help you understand me. And on the team, we can kind of work more collaborative, like more collaboratively, because now I know why I like to talk out loud. I like to get my ideas out. I don't like to write them down. I don't like to think about them. I'm talking them out. That's how I roll, you know? But if someone's on my team that doesn't understand that, and there's someone that needs to think it out, and I'm constantly interrupting them with all of my oh what about we do it this way or how about we do that you know it's it's disruptive to them but i can explain that's how i think so for you know for this team effort i can write some things down i can whatever but i'm not gonna apologize for who i am right so knowing who yeah. you are and and that's why i say when your values and your character is constantly kind of pushed to the side and you yeah. as a person is no longer showing up anymore now you're just this robot it's time to go. You're not even impactful to anybody. It's it's time to go. Amen to that. And and it's the difference, I think, between a job and a career or, you know, essentially. I mean, you know, like we're here. That's a really way to simplify it. But it's like uh, you're here for a greater purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, why spend eight to 12 hours with a bunch of people you don't like doing something <laughs> you don't like for right. you don't even want, right? It's unacceptable. You yeah. have the power of changing now. And especially post COVID, if I can say that, if no one has a reason to live their best, absolute best life right now, COVID should be the thing that puts Amen. a fire under your butt because um, it's tomorrow is not promised. And and how we saw the mass sweep of people just losing their lives or their lives gravely impacted and family members lost, like you just have to do what is best for you people are always going to criticize and judge and have something to say, but you need to be listening to the ones who are living the life that you'd like to live or doing the things that you can see yourself doing. Those are the people that you want to embrace and, and be around and start to maybe listen to more than the naysayers who may be close people in your life because they can't, it's not their vision. It's not their goal. Right. So it, it's not for them to see. And sometimes I think that we seek that approval from everyone trying to say, is this what I should be doing? Do you see me doing this as opposed to just doing what you want? So post COVID have COVID as your excuse to live your best life and do you be fun with, you know, just, and be grateful. Amen. Nisi, I love that so much. And and we can keep going on. I can't believe it's already been a whole hour. You know, it's been so amazing talking to you. And uh, I'm sure we can continue talking. Uh, but I want to let you get to your day and celebrate and enjoy everything that's happening. But let me just ask, you know, one final question. I mean, uh, really simple question, I guess. Like, what's okay. going on, Nisi? What's the next chapter? Or, you know, not the next chapter. What are, what are you up to? How can people get involved? How can people hit you up? How can you help them? Yeah. So, okay. I have a couple of little avenues because I'm a very diverse person. And so I have different things going on. So one being real estate, if you are interested, if, especially um, if you are black and you're just questioning, you're trying to figure this out, please feel free to hit me up. I'm on Facebook. So you can do facebook.com slash realtor I'm right there. I can answer your questions. You can get to my page from the public. You do not have to have a Facebook page. Um, you can also email me at nisi.walker at homey.com. And I'll be happy to get you whatever information you need and respond back very quickly to your to, to all of your questions and inquiries. Again, I do Realtor Nisi workshops at 1030 on Tuesdays. That's Pacific time because I'm here in Las Vegas. So 
get on, do some Q&A with me if you have some questions. I'm happy to answer those. And then if you need some HR slash life coaching with a twist. So I do focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion and helping leaders and organizations to understand what that means and how to build that framework around either their personal or professional goals or their organizational goals. Then you can hit me up at admin at levelupwithnisi.com or you can just head over to levelupwithnisi.com and there are a couple of little links there that can get you in touch with me. And I come out and do keynote speed, uh, speeches. I do a lot of them around workplace and uh, cultural competence in the workplace. So, you know, it's really what I like to talk about and how do we bridge those gaps in the workplace and get people to work better together. So, and sometimes we just need to get some personal goals to do that. Sometimes we need some, you know, bias exercises to kind of help us see and understand where our implicit biases lie. And uh, just having an accountability partner. I'm a great accountability partner. I do not let you slack. Uh, I Once you tell me it's a goal that you have set for yourself and you want help with this, I'm going to be there to help you. So, you know, I'm not the coach for you. If you want somebody that's going to coddle your feelings and tell you you're doing great when you're doing horrible. I love that, Nisi. I feel like we are only scratching the surface of all we could talk about in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and also on the real estate side. So right. I hope this is, you know, one of what will become many conversations that we'll share with the world. Absolutely. I'm so excited for it. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for watching. Thank you, DC. I'm going to hit the outro and then I'll be right back with you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have tremendous gratitude for our guests and you listening now for joining our mission of democratizing real estate education around the world. If you want to learn more from our experts, our mission, and get involved, then please visit realestateexperts.org to get started. Who knows, you might even be a guest on a future episode.